Welcome back, everybody. Thank you. It's good to be back. You want to get the shock off this mic? I know it's a hell of a rush, but I can't take too many. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Okay, everybody. Calm down. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Yes, it's good to be back. We're in front of a virtual live audience today, Dave. So, well, uh, I see a lot of people all the time. Um, <laughs> That's another discussion. It yeah. is. Okay. And just to uh, shoot off the bow, as I say sometimes right from the beginning of the episode, you will notice crappiness on Dave's quality again today because <laughs> what do you know? We have some microphone issues again. I, I, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Pitchforks and wow. Jeez, easy guys. Yeah. Um, so we'll have to deal with it. You know, that's that's the way it is. So ah, anyway, today's episode, Dave. Finding peace in the pieces. Yes. What the hell are we talking about? Last week we talked about a potential episode title of Mormona or Morona. I don't remember which way we did it. Mormona virus, Morona virus. Don't want to overshadow or diminish the issue that a lot of people are going through right now. So we feel for you guys. Some listeners are in worse conditions than others, I'm sure, with regard to lockdown, you know, staying in place, social distancing, all the crazy craziness that's going on here. So... You know, it's yeah. interesting because of the shelter-in-place type of thing, uh, whether imposed by local governments or personally imposed, it could lead to a higher chance that you'd listen to this podcast because you're home, and, and then you're so concerned and wrapped up with all this coronavirus yeah. uh, that it's the last thing on your mind right now. Yeah. So either That's... way, we're still here. Yeah. We are, and thankfully, no signs of uh, corona-type issues with myself or, or my family, friends. Dave, I think it's the same on your side so far, so knock on wood, as they say. Hopefully, that will mm-hmm. continue, and hopefully the same is true for most of our, or all of our listeners. So, guys, thanks for joining us today. A couple things that we'll get into, but let's first start off, Dave, with... The LDS Church in the news. You know, each time I say that, I get more into a Metallica-esque ah, at the end. Well, it's kind of like my take on the whole Mormon thing, their song, Sad But True. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's sad yeah. but true. Sad but true. Wait, sad but it's not true. What? Right in the I don't know what to say. So, here's some church news. I'm going to just scroll through the church newsroom and read a couple headlines here. Why BYU Pathway virtual gatherings are a reminder of the foresight of the Lord. So there's this program called BYU Pathway. I don't know a lot about it. I know it's kind of like a connectivity, social connection group, uh, BYU, worldwide connecting students together. Didn't look into a lot of the details of how they work or what the purposes are of the group. But the comment here is they created some uh, gathering, you know, social media combined video chat type software back in 2014 or something, and the article goes on from the guy who's managing the group around the lines of, if we hadn't received permission back in 2014, we wouldn't have been able to do virtual meetings today. So this proves the foresight of God in preparing for what it, blah, 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 <laughs> whatever. <laughs> wow. Anyway. Fabrication. Yes. Mm. Yes. Uh, seeing what you want to see. There's a term for that. Then this magna earthquake happened. I don't know for you guys who don't live in Utah how much of that news you see. So there's an area called magna, which is 
how would you describe where Magnus sits in relation to Salt Lake City, David? It's like uh, west. It's west. West to southwest. Yep. It's mostly west. Yep. There was a 5.7 decent earthquake out there recently. And here's a news article. Three church facilities and 12 meeting houses damaged in the 5.7 magnitude earthquake because it's God's houses, but it's really not. He doesn't really care about his house. You know, he kind of lets it get cluttery, kind of lets them get damaged, you know. We're going back to protection deception again here. Yeah, yeah, right? Because house of the Lord supposed to protect him, I guess. I don't know. Maybe he doesn't really care. Um, so they got damaged. But here's the funny part. So you, I'm sure you know of Salt Lake Temple, whether you live in Utah or not. And there's a Moroni at the top, of course, as there always are. And Moroni did a little shaking. There was a whole lot of shaking going on with Moroni there. And his trumpet fell. Oh, my goodness. Yes. His, his trumpet fell. His trumpet so fell. So that's good news because we know the second coming won't be this year. Right. Because he can't blow his trumpet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, he was ready, and then it was kind of a, you know, kind of a letdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, literally. Yeah, so it, it's funny. They have this picture of where the trumpet kind of landed in this little alcove before below where he stands. Other than that, supposedly some of the minor spires on the temple were uh, a little moved or displaced. Other than that, evidently the temple's in okay shape. Who knows? Not that they would tell us about all the damage because that's... I think there were actual literal prophecies. I didn't look this up yet. That the temple would stand all the way through the millennium, the Salt Lake City Temple. So it can't fall, right? Otherwise, it wouldn't be standing. Ah, anyway, <laughs> and then one that gets more to one of the topics of our podcast today: Latter Day Saints find quote compensatory unquote blessings. Amid coronavirus pandemic. Yeah. Whatever. So, <laughs> whatever. Yes, exactly. That's pretty much all I have for LDS Church in the News, other than kind of a reminder that the gatherings of church members temporarily suspended worldwide. So, people aren't meeting at church right now. That's, Which yeah. means a couple of things. What is the effect of that? Now, last week you shared a little recording of Rusty Nell saying, hey, hurry up, fill up that time when you'd be at church with videos and and uh, books. And in other words, there's a void that's been created. For Christ's sake, we can't have you, what, sitting at home doing some introspection, possibly? Thinking. Thinking about what really <laughs> matters in your life. In other words, there are those who, by simply ceasing to attend meetings, may entertain reconsidering attending at all. It's a possibility. Yes, it is possible, folks. So before we talk much more about that, Dave, I'm looking forward to that segment for your information. <laughs> all right. We are in 1896, April 7th. Okay. The first presidency announces at conference priesthood meeting the end of salaries for local church officers. Oh! Damn it. Wow. So, yeah. wait a minute. So, this is something I didn't know. So, local church officers were did have a salary. Yeah. We I knew the no 12 idea. and first presidency did. We knew some 70s did. We knew the patriarchs were paid. I did not know local church officers had a salary. Okay, now you've On, got you've given me a topic that I want to research more. I want to know mm-hmm. what that local group included. Like I'm, I'm when I hear that term, I I think of like bishops. That's the first thing that comes to my mind, or at least stake presidents. So I wonder how low it went in the ranks. And I, yeah, that's just very interesting. So there's like, no, we can't pay those guys salaries anymore. So on April 2nd, the Temple Council decides 
to not pay salaries to anyone but the 12. Huh. Okay. Okay. Got to keep them going. August 23rd, Sugar House Ward. Sugar House is an area of Salt Lake, an older area. Mm-hmm. Sugar House Ward congregation votes against men proposed as bishop of new ward to be divided from the old. So when the membership in a ward grows, they will divide it into two wards. Uh-huh. Uh, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they don't want the guy. <laughs> what the, fuck? What the okay. hell? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Salt Lake State President Angus Cannon, so that's like ACDC and George Q. Cannon put together, uh, Angus Cannon, seriously <laughs> shouts, sit down and shut your mouths. You have no right to speak. When Cannon engages in shouting match with dissenting congregation, a ward member and policeman threatens to arrest the state president for disturbing the peace. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. Sit down. Shut the fuck up. Oh, I love it. August 26th, Apostle. Moses Thatcher begins treatment with the Keeley Institute for his addiction to opium and morphine. What? (laughs) (laughs) The first presidency and apostles tolerated Thatcher as a morphine fiend and an opium eater. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Because that elicits revelations. And we need more of those. Oh, so my God. keep it up. Yeah. Wow. September 20th, 70s president, Golden Kimball, one of our favorite guys, oh, preaches. Like there are 500 girls who are public prostitutes in Salt Lake City. Some of these are daughters of Latter-day Saints. Oh, damn oh, it. Oh, damn it. Okay. October 7th, I'm just going to keep ripping through some of these at the priesthood leadership conference will wilford woodruff asked all those that had money to spare to loan to the trustee and trust to assist the church hey we're broke anybody who's got a little extra money please we fucked up we don't know how to handle our finances well got a nickel can you spare a dime brother (laughs) you know obviously back dave really quickly to the fact that Who's supposed to be leading the church? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, this this is impressive, actually. I mean, wow. November 5th, Apostle Lorenzo Snow's youngest plural wife bears his last child in Canada. At the age of 82, he's what? the oldest general authority to father a child. Oh, I thought wow. you were saying she was 82. He was 82. Wow. No. Okay. Wow. All right. Yeah. So, uh, so you so, know, so, I have guys that work at 61 years of age guys that work in their 20s ask me if i can still get it up wow this guy's prolific all right yeah (laughs) all right december 6th first presidency changes monthly day of fasting from first thursday to the first sunday so that's where that happened 1896 and it's been that ever since 1897 apostle brigham young jr temporarily resigns as Vice President of Brigham Young Trust, because First Counselor George Buchanan allows its property to become a first-class brothel on Commercial Street, now Regent Street, Salt Lake City. What? Apostle Heber J. Grant is invited to its opening reception and is stunned to discover himself inside, quote, a regular whorehouse. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> and they're funding this. Check this out. This situation begins in 1891, and for 50 years, church-controlled real estate companies lease houses of prostitution. Oh, hold on a second. <laughs> what the fuck? For 50 yeah. years, the church owns land that they know is facilitating whorehouses. Yes. Holy yeah. shit. So... It's all about turning a profit. Remember, they need your money. They need oh some help right now. God. So, hey, ladies, do your do your duty. <laughs> oh my God! Get out God. there. And... Wow. Okay. Okay. January twenty fifth. Lauren C. Woolley tells a congregation he knew 
that the prophets Joseph and Brigham and Heber lived, for he had seen them as they appeared to President John Taylor and, and Brother John Woolley's house. Okay, so they um, appeared in a resurrected um, body, a, uh, a spirit. You would who, think fuck, no. when he uses the term he knew they live, that you would think resurrection, right? Like, they're hey, they are alive again. They're, I don't whatever, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he said lived. Yeah. Okay, well, I got a couple more here. June twenty second, first plural marriage performed in Mexico by the first presidency. Very, you know, under the authority of the first presidency since eighteen ninety two, performed by State President Anthony Ivins. He is best known officiator for post manifesto polygamous marriages. So that's what they did. They went across the border, uh-huh. uh, and that happened earlier, and you know, back in ninety two, August fourth. This was fun. Lorenzo Snow tells apostles, Patriarch Joseph Smith, the father of the prophet, had stated in his 1836 patriarchal blessing that he should have power, when not able to visit the sick, to send his handkerchief to them, and that the afflicted by touching it would be made whole. Um... And that was one of those Mormon fables we talked about joke more about folklore yeah that was one of those that was prevalent i wonder yeah. if part of where they got that was from the story in the bible where the lady touched uh jesus the hem of the garment yeah robe and yeah. was healed i yeah. wonder if that kind of idea came sure. from anyway that's also kind of a fundamentalist christian belief you know i mean mm-hmm. these televangelists can heal you over the fucking TV. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Stretch out your hand and <laughs> b- b- make sure you reach for your wallet first and then touch the screen with that money. I mean, with your hand and you shall be healed. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It, w- it was going around. Yeah. Okay, President Wilford Woodruff's son and counselor, Cannon's great-grandnephew, are announced as new apostles. Uh-oh. Um, Apostle Brigham Young Jr. writes, I felt almost rebellious for a few minutes. In the 70s, President Jay Golden Kimball, our friend, observes, the brethren feel if they are not represented while living, they may not be after they're dead. Um, because both Young and Kimball are sons of general authority. So nepotism okay. has crept in once again. Huh. And one last one from Jay Golden Kimball. Love him. After meeting with the First Council of the Seventy on November 24th, he writes, Some men will kiss a man's ass to get to suck a sugar tit. Oh, my God! What the (laughs) hell? (laughs) So, in other words, that was his comment on the nepotism (laughs) going on, which... He saw it as nothing more, not just nepotism, but maybe like politically motivated is what I get out of that. Kiss a man's ass and whatever. Uh, oh, my God. Wow, wow. There must have been plenty of the uh, TITs to kiss uh, with, with the, all those brothel houses yeah, running for the property they owned. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> this shit just doesn't go away, does it? <laughs> You know, I, I know you said this last week. Uh, part of me keeps expecting for whatever reason, oh, when time goes on, you know, they get a little more modern. Some of the crazy, crazy stuff, at least, would start to kind of wane and, and disappear. Mm-hmm. And no, no, to your nope. point, right? Like last week, in some cases, it's even getting worse. Some of this news, you're like, what the fuck? Like, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right. There it is. So let's move on to our topic about picking up the pieces. Well, yes. And Dave, thanks again for sharing the, the, yes, for your information. Thanks. A shout out to D. Michael Quinn, Mm -hmm. again, who's the one providing this for us. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I have to regain composure here after some of those. I just, yeah, I mean, they're that shocking, some of them. I honestly, you're like, you you got to fucking be kidding me. Okay. Well, it's a good thing that the church 
led by Jesus himself, has a strong foundation in history, Dave. It, mm-hmm. it really is. It's it's unwavering, yes. unchanging, mm-hmm. everlasting. Yeah. Trumpets will not fall. <laughs> Very nice. So to this point, folks, a couple things. We're going to start with this potential impact on members during this lockdown type period here. What's going to happen in the church with the membership speaking generally? realizing that there's a spectrum of members from those who are eh, going to church, it's part of life, not really committed, eh, I don't know if I believe everything. From that all the way to the other end of the spectrum, where I would say you and I, Dave, were a little more fully invested, fully committed, studying the doctrines, studying the scriptures, trying to find out more and learn more about the true gospel, right? Like that, just like in it, in it. And depending on yep. where you are, right, like what will the impact of eh, don't not going to church during this time, eh, doing things Well, at home. you develop a habit. What's that saying? If you it, Well, there's several of them. One of them is if you do something, what is it, like seven times in a row, it becomes a habit. I thought it and was so like, yeah, longer. But yeah. If, if this goes, they're projecting several months mm-hmm. with this COVID-19, Will the church continue to stay shut down that long? Probably. Mm-hmm. If I go that long without that being part of my routine, will I just be that much more excited about going back? Or will I just think, yeah, you know, shit. Not really. If you could use this time, being at home, being sheltered in place, whatever, to spend some time with introspection, looking within again, mm-hmm. and asking some questions because. What's going on is essentially a life and death issue. So you're going to ask, I think, naturally, questions like that. You know, what does my life mean to me? What is life? What is my purpose? Ironically, the questions that the church says it has all the answers to. That's Why right. am I here? Where am I going? And so yeah. forth. But, yeah, and yeah. If, if you look at what the church is doing right now during this kind of lockdown period or, or at least social distancing. So if you look at what the church is posting to its members right now, there's an obvious move toward control, right? Like, let's make sure people don't lose their testimonies and start getting a little weaker and not as committed because they're not going to church every week. It's very similar to this concept of tithing. We talked about this a few times, this whole discovery of well, the one fund that's got over $100 billion in it, there's five or six more, so you added up how much money the church really has. And the fact that where the guy came out who's actually managing that portfolio and said, no, the church doesn't need the tithing money anymore. <laughs> I did, admitted it. I still you know, can't believe I, that he admitted I, it. I had a thought on that this morning. How much of those funds, what amount of those funds, would the church release in an effort to, you know, assist with the recovery from this Eh, virus? Minuscule. In in whatever form. For instance, many, many, many people just out of work because they can't work from home. Yeah. And if they don't go, that's it. They're just out of work. And all of a sudden, shit, we're belly up. Uh, Will the church help with that? You know, and on and on and on. No. Because, you know, those sacred funds have to be disseminated by inspiration. Yeah, sure, whatever. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So my point there was tithing is also one of those things that he said in that same article, right, or that same media meeting. It's obedient, which is another way of saying control, right? Let's control the membership. If they weren't paying tithing, they wouldn't feel like they had as much skin in the game, as they say. So they wouldn't be And by the way, that's a well-known practice. When I went to uh, a certain group of training meetings, people are asking why this is so expensive. Mm -hmm. And they told them, if you don't have a significant investment in something, you're not going to be invested yourself. Mm -hmm. And there's some truth to that. There is. There is. And the church knows that. They know it. Yeah. So how do we continue to control membership, keep them Mm -hmm. in line so they don't lose their commitment to the faith, etc. So as you scroll through, 
I read one in the LDS News. Latter-day Saints find compensatory blessings amid coronavirus pandemic. This is an article where people wrote in and they talked about how things are as they have church at home with their family instead of going to church, right? And there's another article where they show pictures of people, what they're doing at home. And I kid you not, people, there's there's an article that says how Latter-day Saints across the globe worshipped at home on Sunday due to coronavirus concerns. Came out a few days ago. There's a picture here of this family. They have a bunch of boys in their family. They're all wearing white shirts and ties. They're all ready to, looks like they're going to go out the door to church, and they're at home doing church in their church clothes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which wow. is like, wow. Like, when I ever stayed home from church, even when I was fully 150,000% committed I looked at it as an opportunity to get out of that white shirt and tie. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Hell yeah. I never the liked choker. that. Oh, yeah. So I would just chill in pajamas or whatever, watching conference from home or whatever the time was, right, where we weren't at church. And I enjoyed that, but I was I still felt spiritually committed, and it was just more relaxing, right? But these, these folks, man, of course. holy shit, like to the T, all ready for church, and Picture after picture I'm seeing as I scroll through here in that article, they're dressed for church, having it at home, and you're just like, oh, my God. Wow. That, wow. That's some Overboard. Commitment. Yeah. And There's so, another yeah. aspect, another ritual that happens every Sunday, and we are taught in the church that this is the most significant thing that you do all week long, and the main reason that you come to church on Sunday, everything else being secondary to it, mm-hmm. and that is taking the sacrament. So back when you know I was a deacon, teacher, priest, we did the sacrament. If there were elderly people or sick people, we would take the sacrament to them at their home. Right. But we can't be doing that because we can't have boys breaking up bread with their fingers and then giving it to other people. In the wow. article about closing church for regular meetings, they state in there, the stakes in the church have been instructed to do what they need to do to make the sacrament available, quote, at least once per month, unquote, oh, Okay. to the members. So how's that going to happen, right? And... Again, control, because for those who've been in the well, church and you understand, like, priesthood jurisdiction, etc., the bishop has the ability to say, go ahead and do the sacrament in your home, like yourself, right? Like, yeah. if you have priesthood in the home, etc., and you can do that. And in some of these pictures that I was talking about, people are doing their sacrament at home with their own bread, obviously, whatever. But that's not what they said. They didn't say, we're going to let people do sacrament themselves. They said, we'll, we'll try to arrange to do it for them and bring it to them once a month. You're like, why are you not allowing the members to do it themselves? <laughs> In their own. Again, control. Yeah. We got to uh, hold on tight control. to the vest. You know, Hold yeah. that close to the vest and don't let them do the sacrament on their own. Next thing you know, they're going to be blessing Kool-Aid and oatmeal for, I mean, heaven forbid. Whatever's left. Oh, yeah, because there's been, you know, obviously there was a run on toilet paper, then water, and then bread, Mm -hmm. and then all the staples from there on down. It was interesting, just an aside, I went into the store the other day, and all the damn mayonnaise was gone. I'm like, what? What? What Mayonnaise? What are you doing with that? I don't want to (laughs) know. Here's an interesting thought, Dave. Uh, I was out yesterday actually running some errands. I saw a few things and had a couple conversations that I thought fit into kind of this observation of the corona impact that I thought would be interesting to share. One of those is, as I'm going around, of course, again, I live in the Utah area. I had the opportunity. I jumped into a, a haircut place yesterday, and the lady's cutting my hair there, and we, we bring up this topic I, t- I told her, I heard that Utah led the nation in this kind of, like, panic buying. 
And she's like, yeah, I saw the same article, or I don't know if it's the same article, but same point, right, was in an article that she read. Utah led the nation in panic buying. They bought up all the toilet paper, sanitary stuff, whatever. And I don't know what religious affiliation she is, right? But I I said, "I I think that's interesting because you would think in a state where there's a huge percentage of members of a certain faith, and I didn't state the faith, right? I said, is that surprising to you? I don't know for sure, but I think, doesn't that faith believe that you're supposed to have storage mm-hmm. of food and these other items, and so you don't have to do this kind of thing? And she smiled and she said, yeah, they, they do. That's a really great point. And why would they feel the need to panic by? Yeah. And then secondly, she said, I also have seen a lot of rudeness, a lot of selfishness. She's, you know, when you buy a whole cart of stuff, 10 times what your family needs, then some families who need it won't get it. Exactly. And I said, wow, great point, right? Like that's kind of selfish. It's not very community minded, if you will, to kind of share across the community. Wouldn't that be different if this supposed religion was... It's interesting, isn't it? So again, Um, the emphasis on maintaining physical life, even though the whole story and emphasis of Mormonism and and a lot of other religions is all about what's going to happen in the next life, and it's not that significant when and how you die here. It's, It's how you live and where you're going after this life, eh, maybe not so much. Yeah. That's I just want to have a clean butt. That's, that's my <laughs> name. <clean> <laughs> <laughs> it would suck to run out of toilet paper. Thankfully, we buy that oh, shit in like hell. huge boxes from Amazon. So we had a few already. We were good. But yeah, that would suck. Poison Ivy is a good replacement. I've tried that as a Boy Scout. Yeah, it works well, doesn't it? So there's that piece of the episode. What are people going to do at home? You know, interestingly, Dave, I found a non-Mormon Christian article on this titled Four Important Reasons You Should Commit to Church Each Week. And he's a minister in a local congregation. He lists these four things. The first one is the local church is a central part of God's strategic plan for your spiritual growth. Okay, he quotes a scripture here. Number two, you are basically a composite of the five people with whom you spend the most time. That's interesting. So if you're not in church, who you spend time with, well, this would be with your family at this point. He wrote this outside of coronavirus topic. Number three, you need the voice of the church to counteract all of the deception that is crammed into your mind all throughout the week. That sounds like Mormonism, doesn't it? 100%. Yeah. you got to counteract all the other messages that are coming at you, whether they be valuable or not. (laughs) And then the last point he makes, which also is something you could hear an apostle say in the church, weekly ministry in a local church helps to build up your spiritual muscles. So he throws that out as well. So this is why you should always go, Mm -hmm. he says. Now, that's, you know, most of those you could hear in the Mormon church as advice. Sure. I looked at a podcast this morning. It's entitled uh, Ask an Atheist. Right. It just popped up, and I thought, okay, they're talking about the coronavirus. So they were talking about, in particular, preachers of well-known churches who are encouraging their members to attend. And that they will be protected. So back to last week's podcast, Mm. and including our current subject, yeah, God will save you. Come to church. Oh, my God. And by the way, don't miss when we pass the basket around. That's the most important part of the Well, they're going to lose money because that's a big part of their contributions is on church day, the basket. Paula White, which is Donald Trump's spiritual advisor— she cited an Old Testament plague in a recent sermon she gave to urge believers to call on God, quote, coronavirus can be stopped, unquote. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Paula White, 
We can pray hard enough and God will stop this virus. Oh my God. All righty. Um, <laughs> sure. That that usually well, works. <laughs> good luck. You better get a really good pillow to kneel on because you're going to be there a while. <laughs> oh, wait, you're not kneeling? Okay. Whatever. So what do you do <laughs> okay. as a Mormon and how does this affect your testimony, so to speak? And there's no doubt, Dave, we can't measure that, obviously, in any accurate way no. right now. But there's no doubt no. that when people don't attend church for an extended length of time, how likely are they to want to pick up and go to church the next week? It probably depends very much on their personal situation, right? Very much on what's going on with Absolutely. them, obviously. But it's an interesting question, and I think it'll be interesting to see how it does affect the church in general. Yeah. Uh, with membership. Two or three months from now, we'll probably, you know, re-address the subject and and update and see, well, okay, this is what it looks like. And of course, I don't know who we'll go to for the uh, correct information. We can't go to the church. They won't no. give us no. accurate stats. No, we'll on have the, to you know. depend on other, other people who track these stats, which there are a few out there that make those available. That'll be interesting. And a lot of these aren't known until a good time after, right? Like when a quarter is well, finished or a year has finished. Yeah, exa- oh, yeah. yeah. This is going to be a multi-part podcast series, Finding Peace in the Pieces. And so, and they're not necessarily going to be sequential. We'll probably do something different next week, but we'll come back to this topic. What do you do when you've decided to leave the church? There's always some type of impact, even if you weren't really strongly committed, there's still some type of impact Obviously, the stronger you were committed, the more your family and friends were also involved, all that kind of jazz, right? There's going to be a bigger impact. And the first topic we wanted to talk about in the last 15 minutes or so today is, what do you say to friends and family who are still active and you're not, Mm -hmm. or you're seriously questioning wherever you are on that spectrum, right? And you're kind of like doubting or whatever, what do you say to them? Yeah, and what, do you, yeah, and what do you say and what do you not say? Exactly. What things are not going to be? And, and hopefully this is common sense. And again, there's going to be variables depending on the relationship that you have with that person, whether it be a family member, friend, coworker, whatever. There's going to be every variation on their personality, your personality, the situation itself. However, there are some just basic guidelines maybe or ideas. Let's just call them ideas Mm -hmm. about what things might be effective and what aren't. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, (laughs) and and I we all are not experts at this, obviously, unless you've left the church five times before and you have five experiences that you learned from (laughs) separately. (laughs) Uh, it's your first time and usually your last time that you're going to leave the church. So you haven't done it before. And what do I say? I would summarize in things that I found as not helpful into kind of a bucket of things not to say to family, friends, etc., that are often driven by your angst or anger or resentment or whatever, right? Those things are usually not helpful to say. Things like, you realize the church is a cult, right? Or (laughs) you realize (laughs) that Joseph Smith was actually a con man and a fraudster who was convicted in court for glass looking, you know? These these kind of like direct in-your-face factual mind you, it's not that you're not stating the facts, but if you can imagine a time when you were active, especially if you were really active, like Dave and I were, you kind of evoke a knee-jerk reaction in people when you approach it with Mm -hmm. those kind of statements, and the first reaction is going to be defensive, and they're going to close their mind and defend. You've painted them into a corner. Immediately... And so what we're trying to do, obviously, is, again, we're not counselors, but what we're talking about essentially is good communication. For instance, as one example, I had a neighbor move in where I'm at for just a few months, 
the topic of the church came up and I said, I'm out of the church. I was a member for a lot of years and I don't remember the course of the conversation. And, but he had to throw it out at the end. Yeah. I was deceived once too. Ah. And I, well, that's a fucking cut. Thanks. And my knee jerk reaction was to say, yeah, so was I (laughs) for about 25 years while I was in the church. But what, what does that really produce? Except now, every time I see you as a neighbor, I don't want to fucking talk to you. You don't want to talk to me. Right, right. That's I mean, right. so I didn't say it. And that's, Did that make me better? No, I, I no, just saw the futility. Just, yeah. Anything with anger, angst, like Michael said, is not going to produce a good result. It doesn't. And what result are you looking for? Maybe we start with that question, right? Because... If it's a family or a friend, right. for example, somebody who you care about at, at some level, other than just, you know, walking by them acquaintance type thing, that answer obviously is going to differ for everyone as well. Usually if it's a family or a friend, somebody who you care about to some level, you don't want to alienate them just like you would not want them to alienate you in your decision I have kind of, call it an ulterior motive or a desire, whatever you want to call it. Ironically, when you learn the truth, just like you think you have in the church, what do they always say? Well, the first thing you want to do is share it, right? Which is true. So when you feel like, hey, you know what? I've woken up here. I don't know all the answers, of course, not even a a, a minute amount of them in the universe, but I... I do feel like I'm at a place where I I recognize this path in the church was kind of a deception. It wasn't really based on on real events, etc. So I kind of would like my friends and family to also have that opportunity to see maybe this isn't what it says it is, right? And so if that is one of the things that I would see as ideal... I don't want them to be defensive. I would rather that they be open-minded and willing to talk about things, which I'm going to mm-hmm. close down in a big hurry if I start throwing around some things, again, that are true, but not essentially... I, I was thinking of the good old Sermon on the Mount, let your light so shine before men, you know, that they may see your good works or whatever. In other words, it's the life that you live... Mm-hmm. is the greatest testament, the realization that you've come to. So ultimately, it's the way you conduct your life without words, just by your what you do, your loved ones, family members, and that are, are going to look at that. That could make them wonder, well, wow, he seems really happy. All these stories about when you leave the church, you're going to be mm-hmm. go to hell your life will be shit, you know, on and on. That doesn't seem to be happening. Um, so again, actions are, are very, very powerful too. I, I'm thinking of one particular situation. For a lot of us who are leaving and or have left, we've come across information that wasn't available until the recent decade or two, whatever, the advent of the internet and other media sources and that. And, and we took the time to consider it carefully and saw that there were some issues and then perhaps pursued that and came to some conclusions about the fraud that, that is going on in the Mormon church. Somewhere along that way, for instance, with a spouse, if it were possible, depending on what your relationship is like again, right. Honey, I was studying for my Sunday school class lesson, and I decided to pursue this topic a little deeper, and I found all this stuff, and it's very concerning. Maybe you can help me mm-hmm. understand why Joseph Smith is screwing 14-year-old girls in the barn. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't. I never heard that before. It doesn't make sense to me. What do you think? Now... That's assuming that you have a fairly well-functioning marriage yeah. where there's communication. Yeah. And maybe I'm a, that would be assuming a lot, but that would be the effective way is an, an invitation. Hey, look, you know, it looks like I'm on kind of a bit of a journey here. Yeah. 
what do you think instead of, well, let me tell you how it is. Exactly. Yeah. What do you think about this? What do you think? You know, right. And there's so many topics there where you could kind of quote unquote plant a seed, so to speak. Right. You know, I, mm-hmm. I don't know what to think about X, whatever X is. Right. I don't know what to think okay. about. Uh, and, and obviously what you fill the X in with a great tool I have found there is stuff that is on things like the LDS Church website, like the Gospel Topic yeah. Essays. Huge opportunity with the Gospel Topic Essays. There's like 12, 13 different essays there. Right that are so, on the church site, as in, this is our doctrine, right? Like, no question, this is exactly. church, church approved. So, so not, not yeah. so much an apostle that's hooked on opium. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff like right. that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, you know, I still can't believe that. But yeah, you know, there, you, there it is, right? Because you guys have probably seen this. The first question a lot of times you'll get if you bring up something controversial, what... What anti-LDS site were you on, right? Like exactly. which which yeah. non-Mormons? Well, actually, I appreciate your thought there. This was actually on the on the church website in the Gospel Topics essays. It says this about the Book of Abraham. I was always taught this, but the article says that. Like, how do you? Make now I'm confused. S- I'm confused. Like, what? How would you explain that? Right. right. Like, ask them. Hey. How do you tell people about this when they ask, why is this a different narrative? You know, why has the story changed? I'm confused. That's one of the things that made me question. These are well, helpful because they're right there. They can't say, oh, that's anti-LDS. They're right there. Right. Immediately, in my mind, it goes to this group of people, which I think is very large in the church, just really don't give a damn. Mm-hmm. In other words, mm-hmm. that sounds like some work. That sounds like you're inviting me to investigate things. I'm used to going to Sunday school, you know, sacrament, whatever, and just having people tell me what's going on. I don't want to have to research, study, compare. Uh... Did Sorry. you let the sheep out again? No, I, I, that was a recording of a latest sacrament meeting before the coronavirus. No. Um, sorry. I, <laughs> I, just thought it, I just thought it went along with your statement there. <laughs> well, yeah. So there, uh, for instance, even with our own mother, and I won't get into it, you yeah. invited her to look at Gospel what topic series essays. of articles was it? It was the Gospel Topics essays, and and I pointed yeah, to the Book of right. Abraham, Pro- produced by the Church. Yeah, yeah. And and she did not take the effort to look at them, even though you told her what the source was. Yeah, that's right. That's Am I right. correct? Did I? Oh yeah, okay. that's right. Well, she said that she did read them, but I I don't believe that just for my own reasons. But you know whether she did or didn't. You're right. And that's not, see, that's a wall you're going to get even if you try to be open, yeah. even if you follow some of the things we've been saying, right? Like, of, yeah. hey, don't be confrontational, don't criticize, just throw out questions, nope. right? Can you help me make Seeds. sense of X, Y, Z? You're going to see some defense. And that goes back to, if you think about who, how you yourself were when you were active, everybody's different. Some people will be the type of personality like I was where they kind of have this response, no, right? And then they go look, and they're like, holy shit, that is a different narrative. And then they go like, I'm pissed, <laughs> right? I mean, but yeah. that was me, right? But that not everybody's that way. You could ask a room of people, you know, 500 people in the room, hey, everybody raise your hand that are active LDS, let's say they, they all are. Who would want to know if the church wasn't true who would want to know that? Honestly, None. like from a truth perspective, you may well, have especially a couple in front of each other. They well, wouldn't yeah. raise their hand. No, Maybe right. one on one. Yeah, they might say, "Well, if that were, yeah, I if it, if that really is true, the truth of the matter, I definitely would want to know." But maybe what we're looking at another aspect of it is: Can I continue to have? a relationship with this person or a healthy relation or whatever. You see what I'm saying? How is it 
that now that I'm the black sheep, whatever I become in that person's eyes, deceived, can I still be their friends? Or especially if it's a family member, I don't want to ostracize them. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully they don't want to ostracize me, Yeah, which unfortunately is not always the case. How can I keep it going? And a lot of it's just glossing over. So you mutually dismiss that disagreement between the two of you. In other words, you agree to disagree. Yeah, you agree at least for a time to ignore the elephant in the room, right? Yes. There's an elephant standing there. You kind of walk around it, even though it takes some walking, right? Or you peer around the backside of it or whatever. Oh, there you are. Let's ignore this elephant right now. Timing is an issue a lot uh, with people. They have a shock on their side a lot of times, especially, again, if they're totally committed you've left or you're seriously questioning, they have all the things the church tells them, right? Like the dismay. Oh, now we're not going to be an eternal family. Uh, Oh, now you're going to go to hell because you knew the truth and you openly turned away from it. You know, now I have Mm -hmm. this responsibility to try to save you, right? I mean, all these things that the church tells them, you've got your newfound reality, which differs night and day. And so sometimes kind of waiting to address the elephant later is the best approach because it's still so raw and it's not exactly. the time, right? Like, like any shocking uh, revelation or event. Yeah. Uh, yeah, time. For instance, with our parents, I believe they thought I was going through some kind of a phase or something. I, I can't mm-hmm. know that that's what it was, but... For instance, they moved back down here and were somewhat close to me, and I would go over once a week, have dinner, and do my laundry, and it was completely 100% ignoring the elephant in the room. Didn't yeah. come up, mm-hmm. maybe just once or twice, and it immediately turned into this wall of defense. And on their part, and on a lot of other people like them, they're not going to even consider in any way that you could be right about the conclusion that you came to. Right. And when you're in a situation like that, I don't know what you can do except continue to love them. If you do, do you love them? Yeah, that's a good question to start with, right? Do you want a relationship? There's no reason that that shouldn't still be in place. Yeah. your, Your relationship will now become very limited the scope of your conversations will decrease perhaps obviously things are changing drastically but can you still you know be in their life and fulfill maybe some kind of a role and that's what we do that's what person i don't want to go down that road but personality comes from persona which is a mask so who you think you really are and the roles that we play yeah. with each other is that's all we're doing is we're role playing that's, That's right. another subject, but yeah. anyway, no, I think that, it's, that it's, fits into what I'm talking about. How do you fulfill that role in my life? Because I have a need. I need for all my kids, for instance, to be active Mormons, or I don't know what, how to operate anymore. I don't know. Right, right. It doesn't look right. I don't know what to do. Yeah, and okay. so all the only opportunity you have to operate within those confines is navigating the elephant, right? If you know because of right. how this person is and you know their personality from before you left, right? You know how they communicate, etc. Is this a deal where you're always going to have to kind of ignore the elephant and talk about other things and still have can you still do that and maintain your role and your relationship to some degree with that person? If so, and that works for both of you, great. You know, great. Sometimes it doesn't work because the other person or you won't allow it to work, right? Because they won't ignore the elephant, for example, and they keep drilling Mm -hmm. on it. And then you have other issues, right? And we'll talk about some of those in other episodes of how can you find that peaceful place and it's a difficult navigation. It's been very different in my life for different yeah. family members and friends because they're as different well, as first, people, right? First of all and foremost, 
hopefully you have found peace with yourself, which is what this journey is about. And, and when you find yourself out of the church, whatever your involvement level was prior to leaving, mm-hmm. it's because of a pursuit, I would think, to, to be at peace with yourself. That is critical, I, I think, in having a, a, a good life is to be at peace with yourself, secondarily with, uh, again, loved ones, friends, family, and you, you just take it one, one at a time, one day at a time. But if you're navigating through all of that and, and picking up these pieces and you're in that place of resonating peace, it's not just, oh, I feel really good about my decision to leave the church. I mean, you clearly to others even, are at peace with that. I, I don't know how it could get any better than that. Yeah, that, that's... I don't, that seems to be, Yeah. No, I agree 100%. I think that that is a big form of communication without words, right? And that doesn't mean you're at peace necessarily with everything. You could not be at peace with your job. No. You could not be at peace with something else. But you're at least at peace with your decision to have left or to be on the way, so to speak, of leaving wherever you are. And I think that's a great Mm -hmm. next episode, Dave, of finding peace within the pieces. How do you first find peace in yourself? Because then that's a great launching point to try to discover ways to find peace with others, right? Which is obviously there you go. the other party relationship. So I think we should talk more about that. Again, it may not be the very next episode we do, but it'll be the next iteration of peace within the pieces, right? Of right. Um, how do I do this yep. on my own, right? And I don't know that there's one answer to that question, but I think we could explore no. different ideas, sure. different methods, so, different ways, right? To c- to yeah. be continued, right? We'll to just be continued. occasionally pick this up again. And yeah. uh, I guess in, in closing, the, the simple thing I want to leave everyone with is there is some contact you cannot get around. And most of what I'm thinking of is doorknobs, mm-hmm. buttons, things that other people touch. Countertops. That yeah. things outside of your home, especially mm-hmm. that you have no idea how many people have touched that. So you don't freak out when you get home, just make it a habit. You walk in the door, you set your keys down, you go to the sink and wash your hands. hands. Yeah. Yeah. Great habit. Easy. Yeah. Great habit. And even stupid things like the credit card machines, right? Since we are not really a, a contactless society, as they call it over in Europe, where they use NFC technology on a phone app or, a chip card that you just hold near, you know, the, 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 we're still sliding and inserting these cards and touching the screens, right. On these point of sale devices, stuff like that. Right. Um, try to be conscious of not then touching nose, eyes, mouth, ears, right. Mucous membranes, as they say. And to Dave's point, I have some of the hand cleaner stuff with the alcohol in it, right. That kills the virus on your skin in each car. We bought one of those little travel sized ones. Perfect. Got one in my truck, got one in my other, my car with some little tissues to wipe your hands, whatever. And I just, when I sit in the car, I see it because it's right by the gear shift. So, Oh, yep. There's my, and so I just like clean my hands right there, wipe them off and I'm ready to go. Right. I don't even Mm -hmm. have to wait till I get home, which is probably better because I would forget probably knowing myself, but, um, Yeah, guys. Yeah. So stay safe and yeah. Yeah, stay safe. I mean, based on the projections of what has happened in other countries and is happening and and where we're at, United States, and you may not, you may be in Europe and uh, we have listeners all around the globe. There's a curve and we're at the low end of it. We're just getting started is what I'm saying in the U.S., which is, you know, do I stay up at night? No, Mm -hmm. but... Am I using my freaking common sense yes. about it? Hell yes. yes. I suggested at work that they put 
some hand sanitizer on a little table between the two time clocks where we check in every day. I was, I was amazed they hadn't thought of that. They gave me a gift card yes. as a reward for thinking of that. I thought for all, it's, it's common sense. Yeah, it is. We're it should all be. touching that damn thing with our finger. Yeah. It should be Put common sense. Sanitizer right there. Yeah. 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 Think. <laughs> anyway. No way to go on that one. Thanks guys for hanging in there. Thanks for listening to us through this whole craziness. And that's all I have in this episode. Look forward to talking next week about whatever topic might be on our agenda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned, guys. Love you.